Well, I hope you have your Bible with you. You can open it with me, please, to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be studying this morning as we begin. How many of you are traveling any time in the next few days to see family? How many? How many of you have family traveling to see you? Okay, we're doing both, actually. And, you know, family in America, anyway, is a big part of, of Christmas. And uh, Even, you know, for people who aren't of faith, who don't follow Christ, Christmas is a time to be together as family, and that's important. But I want to ask a question. Do any of you, and I know I do, but do any of you have any regrets when it comes to family? As you look back over life, over all the years, all the decisions, all the experiences, does anyone in here have any regrets? Wish you could maybe have a do-over on something? Or perhaps you think about a, a member of your family, not you personally, but a member of your family, and you really wish they could live life again and do it differently than they did it because they, they brought a lot of pain to life. There was a movie that came out few years ago called Click. How many of you remember the movie Click? With a, that uh, scientific magical remote control that could uh, you know, take you back or speed you up to the future or pause everything or skip. You know, a, occasionally if his wife was talking to him and he didn't want to have the conversation, he'd hit the skip button and jump ahead and he'd skip it. Um, and it's an interesting movie, but there's, there's one scene in this movie that is really... Um, well, it's, 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 it's heart-rending. It's, it's moving. It, it takes place after his father dies and is buried. And he's got this remote control. Let's watch this. won't take you there. Take me where? To the moment he died. You weren't there. Of course I wasn't. Can you take me to the last time I saw him, please? Hey, Dad. Sorry to uh, bug you. Would you mind looking at my, uh, my shopping mall design again? This one is cheaper. But if you check this out... You'll see it has Whoa. a much better natural flow. Cheaper one. Like I said, I just let me do my email. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dad. Um, he ain't right. You're a schmuck. Better. Look at it. Surprise. Hey, Grandpa. Oh, my God. <laughs> when did you get so handsome? So, Michael, I had a wonderful idea. Your mother's playing canasta with her friends tonight. I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. You, me, and Ben should go and have a boys' night out. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to eat sometime. We could go. We could whistle at pretty girls. <laughs> I'm down for that. See, he's down. I don't know what it means, but he's down. <laughs> hey, please, don't give me that finger. I'll make you a deal. If you come, I'll show you the quarter trick. Will you look at the man? I'll tell you the secret. No, Dad. Don't you want to know how I do the stupid trick? I've always known. 
Can you let me do my work? You've always known you're pathetic. I'm so sorry I parched it. I love you, son. See you later, Grandpa. I love you. Dad. Pop. Pop. Love you too, Dad. I'll miss you. You know that. Isn't it true that some choices we make in life cannot be undone? They have consequences that last. Last during our life and some of them beyond our life as they continue on in the lives of our children and grandchildren. This sermon series, Gifts That Last a Lifetime, we're looking at those things that matter most. And it's not these. It's not the stuff we spend all of our time working to have or purchase, accomplish. It's other gifts we give people. And, and, and they have, they have a, a positive influence. Now, it's also true we can give gifts unlike these that last a lifetime that are negative gifts, that are hurtful gifts, painful gifts. But our focus is on those gifts that are positive. Today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, both of those because these, these, don't, these, these don't last, do they? Um, some of my favorite gifts as a kid. Now, it's, it's funny. Each week I, in this series I've asked, how many remember what you got for Christmas five years ago and hardly anybody does? I remember a few gifts I got as a kid that I really liked. One was a, a Tonka truck. See, boys and their trucks and trains. I got a Tonka truck, but it was a, a big one. Hard plastic, ran on batteries, and it would actually move. Had a horn, and you could hit the button, and the the bed would raise up and dump out what was in it, and then it would lower. And it, I mean, it was a big, it, can't find them anymore. I loved that thing. And I, and, and, uh, I still remember, I wanted to save it. I wanted to pass it down to Stephen, and I saved it, but it wasn't in prime condition because one day when I was a kid on that little farmhouse in Kentucky, the furnace, the heat coming up through the vent, one night I mistakenly left it too close to the vent. It was in the wintertime. And that Tonka truck was over the vent, and it melted the gear system. And so I had the truck, and I could give it to Stephen, but it wouldn't do anything. It just didn't last. I had a BB gun. I love that BB gun. And that movie y'all watch every Christmas day. What's the name of it? The Christmas Story? Every boy needs a BB gun. Now, you sissies, he needs a BB gun. I'm sorry. Boy, I stepped in it there, didn't I? <laughs> 
And the thing I loved about this BB gun was it looked as much like a 410 as it could look. I mean, it wasn't a, it was, it, it, you could mistake it for, 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 for a little 410. I love that thing. I have no idea what happened to it. I wish I still had. I don't know what happened to it. It's in the Christmas gift graveyard somewhere. And um, when I was a kid, I became a fan of Hank Williams Sr. And so I remember when Mom bought me my first Hank Williams albums. I loved those things. And I ended up with a big collection, some of the old original albums. And my, I had a, my, my best friend in high school, his dad was a Hank Williams fan, so I loaned him all of my albums. And while they, they had all of my albums, Hank Williams albums at, at their house, their house burned. And I lost this, this great collection. I mean, even the ones we remember, they don't last, do they? They go away. But memories? Now that's something, something uh, different. Yesterday we were in Lexington, South Carolina, celebrating Christmas with uh, Stephen and Sarah. Jacqueline and her family are supposed to be with us, but they just left the house down in North Charleston, and uh, they had an electrical fire in their truck, so they, they, they couldn't make So they're buying a new vehicle when they find one. So, so Stephen and Sarah and us we, with the kids, we celebrated Christmas, and, and Stephen got me a gift. This, this is one of the things he, he, he got me, and, and you'll understand why. Can you all see that? That's my Kentucky snowman, and, uh, and I know I, I love Steve White. I love working with Steve White, but it says, Danger Head, stop Wildcat Country. One arrow pointing toward Louisville, whom we don't like, and another arrow pointing toward Knoxville, whom we love beating too. And uh, so this is a gift. And, you know, we, I have my Kentucky room upstairs where I have my big 70-inch TV. We watch all the ball games and movies, and I have a Kentucky tree that's decorated up year-round. And we have all kinds of things like this that are just all over the place. And this will, this will be added to that, uh, that collection. And, of course, one of the things that Stephen and I share, memory-wise, is a lot of U.K. experiences because I've told you uh, maybe in the past when he was born in Sumter at Toomey Hospital, I took a blue and white U.K. basketball to the hospital and put it in his bassinet. I was determined he would not be corrupted living in this pagan country. And uh, I was going to train him the right way. And uh, so we've gone to a lot of ball games together, you know, U.K. games from the time he was little. You know, we've watched a lot of games together. Uh, a while back, we got a, a private tour of the renovated locker room in Rupp Arena. So that's that's just a memory that he and I uh, share. And, and, and that's a lot of, you know, that, that's what lasts, isn't it? The things that, that build relationships that encourage one another and deepens love and, and creates uh, memories. Um, we were at his house and it's, it's decorated. Now, Monisa and I like to decorate and, and we have a lot of, Christmas trees. We have a lot of. We don't. We don't have one big one. We have a lot of pencil trees. We have eleven pencil trees decorated in our house, and I wrap them, and I carry them to the attic. <laughs> then the next year, I just bring them back out, and so in five minutes, that tree's ready. Hint, hint. Okay. So, but we decorate. I mean, uh, our grandkids like coming to the house. They call it Winter Wonderland, and that's just something we've always done. And so, I, I go to Stephen's house, and guess what? I rubbed off, we rubbed off on him. It's all decorated up. He's got to think, think he has four trees and he's getting him an, another one. And so he's on his way. I know it's insane. I, I'm sorry, but it's what we do. And, um, um, but I was talking to him about today's sermon. 
And he was sharing with me that one of the things that, that he treasures, that he remembers so fondly, is when he was a little kid, we would always, uh, this is before we started doing all what we do now, we'd always get a big tree, a live tree, and decorate. And Stephen, from the time he was little, would always be the one that would go with me. And we'd, we'd just make a day of it and have fun. And we'd go get that tree. And then we would spend two nights decorating it. One night to get it up and get the lights and garland on because it was a you know, big, fat, 10-foot tree, big tree, so it took a while. And then the second night, decorating it, and Jacqueline and Monisa would help with all that. And he was telling me that for him and Jacqueline and both, those going to get the tree and then those evenings of decorating are some of their absolute fondest, best memories as kids. And I'm sharing that just to get us in the frame of mind to start thinking about what we already know, that these are not what make life. They're good, and they can be encouraging. These don't last. But these other things, they last a lifetime. And as parents and husbands and wives... We, we need to be intentional about giving to one another, to those we love, these kind of gifts that last forever and have an have a influence. And, and today I want to talk about, you know, we've already talked about being a model to follow, being a good example. And last week, you know, a commitment to the Word of God, reading the Word of God and making decisions on the basis of God's Word, a love for His Word. Today I want to talk about creating a positive environment in the home if you will, about being the kind of family, being the kind of members of the family that encourage one another and, and, and builds each other up rather than tearing down. How do you create this environment that is so positive? And, and it works in several directions. It works from parents to children, children to parents. It works from uh, brother to sister, sister to brother. It, it works from husband to wife and wife to husband. Grandparents are part of that. How do you create that kind of environment that is so important? Look at what... What the Apostle Paul, who was that uh, great missionary, the early days of the church, a, a former Jewish religious leader who became a follower of Jesus Christ and ended up writing much of the New Testament, writing this letter to the young believers in this young church in the city of Ephesus in verse 4 of chapter 6, he says, Fathers, don't do this. Do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And the reason he, he focused on fathers is in their culture, fathers ruled the nest. And we know biblically fathers have a leadership role, so he's, it, it would be true of mothers, but he's focusing on fathers here. He says, don't provoke your children to wrath. In other words, through your actions, your behavior, through your words, the way you treat them, don't drive your kids to the point of being angry. The, the, the Greek word here literally has the idea of you push them toward being mad, being angry. It actually has the, the, the prefix para, which means beside, alongside, right up against. It's the picture of, of someone getting up close and personal, and you're up close and personal with that member of your family. You're up close and personal with that child, and your words and your attitude and your tone and your behavior just drives them toward being angry angry. He says, don't do that. We need to do the opposite. We need to create a, a, a healthy environment, a positive environment, not one of anger. Now, I know kids are going to resist and teenagers are going to go through some angst and anger just as they adjust. That's 
all the chemicals and that's just part of it. But but there are behaviors and things we do that that really push kids and 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 married couples do it push one another toward just being mad all the time. And he says don't don't do that. Now there's a parallel passage in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter three, verse twenty one. Another letter he wrote to believers in a nearby city close to Ephesus, the city of Colossae, and he and he says in chapter three, verse twenty one, very similar. Says fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they lose. A heart. In other words, don't don't frustrate them. This word exasperate is the idea of is similar to the the word in Ephesians of stirring up resentment. Okay, stirring up anger, creating creating irritation, and 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 doing it in such a way that the result is your kids lose heart. You kill their spirit. You know that parents by our words, can absolutely kill the spirit of a child. By our failure to be engaged at key moments can kill the spirit of a child, discourage them. So what what kind of behavior perhaps does this that he doesn't want us to do? Well, can I suggest some things that are kind of practical? And some of you may want to jot these down. Um... If our behavior as a parent is arbitrary, is inconsistent, and leadership being arbitrary and inconsistent hurts, it hurts in parenting, it hurts in marriage relationships as well. Something else that can create this kind of reaction is is being too harsh, too severe. Parents have a duty to discipline and set boundaries, but man, sometimes we can go over the top. And being too firm, too stern, too harsh, too severe will get this reaction. So can the opposite of being too lax, not setting any boundaries. Come some, see, sometimes your kid needs you to be the bad guy that protects them with other kids. Your kids don't need you to be their best friend when they're growing up. They need you to be their parent. That can create this issue too because they think, man, you're never there. I'm on my own to figure all this out. Another thing that can create this kind of action is a lack of fairness. Just not being fair. Not treating children, you know, show, show, showing. Sometimes when, when, when there's a child that's struggling, if we're not careful, we can pay so much attention to this, we, we ignore the other one. And that's, that's hard, but we have, to, we have to be mindful of that. Doing things that will cause a, a kid to feel unloved or yelling a lot, or nitpicking at every little thing. Sarcasm. See, some of us are blessed with the gift of sarcasm, and what we don't realize is sarcasm constantly cuts deep and hurts, and we think we're being funny, but what we're doing is we're wounding spirits. Being too busy. Having a temper, not showing sympathy, not showing empathy, not understanding, not listening, not having conversations. I like this verse from the Old Testament. Look at it on the screen. It's also in your notes from the book of Psalms. He said, just as as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He's trying to help people understand God. And he says, you look at at a father who's really compassionate toward his children, well, that's God toward me and you. 
Now let's reverse that. We know God's compassionate toward us, right? If God wasn't compassionate toward us, we'd all be dead. We all would be in hell. God is compassionate toward us every day. And he says, that's what I want you to show to your children and your grandchildren. Show some compassion. And, and men, there is nothing wrong with a man knowing how to hug his kids, say I love you, be forgiving, be kind, be gentle, and show some compassion. That's actually a good thing. So do that and then give them a BB gun and you'll be good. But so, so what I'm saying is if you want to create a healthy environment in the family and, and, and be able to create the kind of, of relationships that, that will last a lifetime with your kids, these things, yeah, they matter, but not as much as making sure that uh, as they grow up, man, they not only know they're loved, they feel it with every fiber of their being. There's no substitute for that. But it's also true about the way mom and dad treat each other, the marriage relationship. I put in your notes and on the screen the, ver the, the words to Titus 2, 4 that say, so that now verse 3 he's talking about older women and what older women are supposed to do. And, and, and he's saying that older women need to encourage young women. Now, by the way, those of you who are older women, you have not done your time and therefore, hey, I don't need to do anything else. None of us have done our time until we are so incapacitated we can't do anything else or we're in heaven. As long as we're able, we are to be serving. And older women, God says a lot about that in Scripture, that one of the things you are to do is to find younger women and encourage them. Pour yourself into them. Mentor them. Encourage them. Talk with them. Pray with them. Don't wait for them to come to you. You find them. Our churches in the last several decades have become so segmented. This group, that group, and this age, and that age, and my turf, and my needs, and my stuff. And that's so contrary to New Testament teaching about the church. Older men and older women, I'm challenging you in the name of Jesus Christ from Scripture to find younger men and younger women and pour yourself into them in Jesus' name. That, that can be a gift for somebody you're not related to physically, but you are spiritually, that will last for their lifetime. I still remember A.P. Williams when I was 18 years old, 17 years old, 19 years old, starting out in preaching. And A.P. Williams was an old white-haired deacon in our church way up in his late 70s. And I knew that every day at this particular time, A.P. was praying for me. I still remember that 40 years later. Well, I hadn't planned to preach that, but it's, 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 it's good preaching. He said, women, encourage younger women, these younger wives, these younger mothers to do what? Love their husbands and love their children. Listen, life's always been demanding, but brothers and sisters, it's really demanding today. 
culture, society used to reinforce, support, and help parents. It doesn't today. It works against parents. They need support, and it's not going to come from out there. If it comes from anywhere, it's going to come from the people of God, the family of faith. You can help. That's part of your mission in life. Encourage, teach them how to love their husbands, how to love their kids. Let them into your world, into your life. You can be a great blessing to them. And, 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 and husbands, remember what Jesus said, love your wife how? You know your scripture? How, do, how are husbands supposed to love our wives? Does Christ love the church? Man, it doesn't get any more, any more sacrificial than that. So loving one of see that that kind of relationship in the home, wives loving their husbands and husbands loving their wives, creates a positive environment that will create things that last a lifetime. So in your marriage relationship, show show some grace to each other as husband and wife. Work hard at practicing forgiveness. Work hard at letting go of those little things. Ladies, um, there are times it's good for you not to have a memory like an elephant. Let some things go. Don't keep score. None of you want to have a great marriage and create a positive environment in the home. Learn to compliment each other. Don't, 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 don't use sarcasm and put downs and don't let your kids and grandkids hear you belittling your spouse. I'm heartbroken when I hear the way some husbands and some wives talk about each other in front of other people, especially younger people. Stop that. Engage with each other. Control the business of your life, busyness of your life. You know, my dad... Those of you who've been here a long time heard me share different stories. I have very positive and very negative memories with my dad. I have both. And um, one of the negative one, negative memories is um, I'm not sure how old I was, late middle school, early high school, I think late middle school, somewhere in there. Uh, one Christmas Eve, dad didn't come home. We didn't have a clue where he was. And so we spent that night worried. He showed up at 4 a.m. in the morning. You know what he'd been doing? playing Rook with his buddies. <laughs> and, of course, you can imagine when he got home, it wasn't very pleasant, not only with, with us kids but with Mom. It wasn't very pleasant. It was heated. There were words spoken. It was, it's not a good memory. And I remember he, he, he came in with this gift, and he, he gave her a mink coat. That didn't make anything better. It made it worse. That's a, that was a horrible Christmas, and it's a horrible uh, memory. And some of you have memories like that. What I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is as you go forward, do everything you can not to create those kind of experiences and those kind of memories in the lives of the people you care about. Give them something better that lasts. See, what Dad gave us that night has lasted. It wasn't good. You, you can give things that last that aren't good. Choose to give things that last, which are really, really good. Um, I've mentioned several times the, the book, Why They Stay. It's not an exciting read. 
It's a research project, but it's a good read if you want to learn. I've shared with you that it's a research project looking at thousands of millennial adults who grew up in church and have stayed in church and what are the common factors in their staying in church, what, what shaped them. So much of the research looks at those who leave the church. This is looking at those who stuck around, who stick it out, who stay with the faith, who stay active in church. And some of the key findings in the upbringing of these who, when they become young adults, stay with the faith and stay in church. Here's some of the key findings. You ready? You may want to jot these down. One is that their, their parents had a happy marriage. Their parents had a good marriage, and the kids knew it. So if you, if you think the way you treat each other doesn't impact your kids on many levels in terms of their ability to have healthy relationships, their ability to have a healthy relationship with God, their ability to stay connected to Jesus in the church, it has an influence. Now, it's, it's not determinative because of free will, but it has a big influence. So one of the key factors is, hey, a happy marriage because you're, you're teaching them so much about love and life. Another key factor is, their parents took love for God and service in the church seriously. Uh, you've heard me say last Sunday that it, their, their parents were the real deal. In other words, their parents, they knew their parents were not just religious people. They weren't just church people. They knew their parents really did love Jesus Christ. They weren't perfect, but they knew they loved Jesus Christ, and they, they, they weren't hit and miss when it came to church. They weren't hit and miss when it came to serving Jesus. They were consistent. They loved Jesus, and they served Jesus, and they served in the church. Here's a third factor. The kids like their parents. Have a good relationship with them. Now, isn't that exactly what we've been reading this morning in Ephesians and Colossians? It's not just enough to say, oh, I love you, that the kids grow up, and even if, when you've had the discipline in the end, they like you. Now, I know there'll be a moment in every teenager's life where they don't. I get that. They come through that. They like you. And the kind of environment you create in the home goes a very long way toward determining whether or not they like you. And then a fourth factor that relates to what we've been talking about in Ephesians and Colossians in the, in the research project, balanced discipline. Discipline that was not too harsh and too severe and discipline that was not too lax and too lenient. Balanced discipline. Four of the main takeaways from that research project. He, what, what was it Jesus would often say? He who has ears, let him hear. Well, that's what I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So you can give your kids things that last so much more important than all of these. Well, I'm running out of time. I've got to wrap this up. Let me tell you a positive memory about from my dad, okay? Um, my dad became a believer the last year of his life. Many of you know he had cancer and would die shortly thereafter. A few weeks before he died, I was in Kentucky, and this was, what I'm going to tell you is the last time I was able to take my dad out of the house. Every other experience I had with my dad after this was either in the hospital or in the home as he was dying. And my, my dad was a huge bluegrass music fan. And the best Christmas gift we could ever buy him every year, all, he only wanted one thing every year. He wanted more bluegrass albums for you young people's CDs. 
He wanted a lot of bluegrass records. So, I mean, it, it got to the point it was hard to find any he didn't already have. And um, about a month, six weeks, I forget exactly, before he died, Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass, who was pretty old by then, came to our little hometown for a concert. And there was no way Dad could be in the, in the crowd. It was an outdoor concert, part of the fall festival in our little town. And I found this spot up on the hill near the road, and I drove Dad up there. And we were to get out of the car, and we sat down outside on a little concrete stoop up above the crowd looking down on the venue. And so my dad and I sat there, and he was able to watch Bill Monroe in concert. Now, I love bluegrass music. I like all kinds of music. And I have, a, I have his collection of albums, by the way, and I have, have my own. And, and so that's one of, the, one of the, the memories. And one of the things that bonded me and my dad, in spite of all the other stuff, was that. What are you intentionally doing to create that in your world, in your life, in your relationships? Because I, I, I remember that. What, what are you giving what are you giving, doing that, that will last, that creates something good and positive? You, you remember our mantra? Huh? It's on the screen. Would you say it with me? Let's say it again. Gifts that are taught, not bought. You can do better than that. One more time. Go go back. Let's let, let, let go go back. There you go. You ready? You can do better than that. Come on. Number two. Number three. So you can't, you can't do any of that with these. These are, this is life. These are the things that matter. Melissa and I have bought a lot of these this year. We're going to give a lot of them. But we know the things that are in those bags not the most important thing we're giving our kids and our grandkids. So in Vision 21, we've said that uh, we have three priorities. When it comes to loving God, loving people, and loving disciples, and one of those priorities is strengthening families. And last week I said we want to be your partner. We, don't want, we, we, we cannot and we don't want to take your place. We don't want to take your place as a parent and do your job for you. We can't. That's not effective. We want to be your partner. We, we can't take your place on Sunday mornings as a grandparent, we won't, we, but we can be your partner. We, we can't take your place in your marriage, but we can be your partner and help. You have a part to play. You, you've got to do your part in all those relationships. And I've shared with you the, the screen smarts that, that we've purchased the rights to so you can have access to that as a parent and grandparent and if you sign up for it. And please read the information on the back of the insert this morning so you can know some specifics about how to do that because your first one will probably go to your junk folder and you have to get it out of that and set up a rule so it will always go to your folder. tells you who it comes from. So please read. If you didn't get a bulletin coming in, get one going out so you can sign up. It's free. won't cost you anything, but it will help you. I encourage you, I urge you to take advantage of that. Something else, though, I'm going to ask you to do to help us right now, help us help you. 
in March, we're going to have a marriage conference. Friday night, Saturday marriage conference. And uh, the people who are coming um, want to shape the content to meet needs that we actually have. Okay? So I want you to do something. I want you to look at this question. If you could sit down with a marriage coach, okay, just you by yourself or you and your spouse, and it was absolutely anonymous, nobody would ever know what was said, you could say to that coach, that counselor, here's one question I'd like for you to answer. Here's one thing I'd like for you to help us with or help me with in a marriage relationship. What would it be? I mean, nobody knows but you and Jesus, okay? Here's this one thing, one thing. I'd really like some help on some guidance on some answers to. What would it be? Do you have it in your mind? Can you think of something right now? All right, I want everybody in here, you have my permission to get out your smartphone. Go ahead and get it out right now. Go ahead. You can't help us help you if you don't get your phone out. I'm going to tell you to do something. Okay? So get, all right, show me your phone. If you have the ability to do text messaging, get your phone out. Get your phone out. Some of you are just not cooperating. Get your phone out. I know you've... <laughs> so you can use a tablet as well. If you have a tablet, that's fine. Now, go to the next screen. You see that 22333? I want you to put that in as the number you're going to send a text message to. And then the message is FBC Rock Hill, capital letters, and that will set you up. So go ahead and do that right now. Text the word, the letters FBCRH, to that number, 22333. Go ahead and send that message right now, and you'll be in. All right? Now, here's what I want you to do next. In the message, I want you to type in, what is your one question? What is your one topic? This will be completely anonymous. Nobody will know what yours is. But the people who are coming to lead our marriage conference are going to take this information, and that's going to help design the topics, the curriculum, the content for what we look at in that marriage comfort. So send us your question right now. And if you forget, you can do it later today, but send it to, that's how you do it, okay? How many of you sent us a, a question or a thought? I'm going to cancel the marriage conference. Can't help you if you don't let us. All right, you're over lunch. You're talking about it as a couple, because I know I put you on the spot. It's hard to maybe think of it right now unless it's something, you know, really urgent. Send us that, because I promise you, you are anonymous. Nobody will know it came from you. I promise you, I promise you, nobody will know it was you. We can't, there's no way for us to know. So I, I know some of you are really suspicious of anything like this, aren't you? Nobody will know. So send it to us, and we can, so we can, we can, we can, we can, we can help you. All right. Here's my challenge as I close. I want you to sit down with your spouse or with your kids. This would be great with your kids and with your grandkids maybe. And I want you to find some time between now and the end of Christmas Day or whenever you're together. And I want you to share with each other some of your favorite memories. Okay? Like Stephen and I usually talking about going and getting those Christmas trees. Share some of your favorite memories. I know there, for some of us there will be some painful ones. Share some of the favorite ones. And then I want you to ask each other this. A ask each other this give, and give each other permission to speak. Ask each other 
How can I love you better? What can I do to show you love in a more effective way? How can I love you better? Parents, can you imagine if you asked that to your kids? Now, I don't know what you're going to get. I don't know your situation. I don't know if you even have the relationship where they'll talk to you or not. If you don't, then that in and of itself tells you something that you need to work on. And the kids need to answer that question for their parents too. Okay, how they can love their parents better. Have the conversation. Because the truth is, brothers and sisters, nothing changes if we keep doing what we're already doing. Right? So my encouragement this Christmas is for us just to get better. We're not going to get perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us are going to get perfect. But I want us to work on sharing the gifts that last. At least as hard as we work on doing these gifts. Because the gifts that last matter more. Let's stand. I know I've gone a little long. I'm just so passionate about what we're talking about. And I want the best for you and for your family and for your life, for your relationships, for your your legacy, your influence. I want that for you. God wants that for you. And I hope I hope you'll take this and do something with it. I really do. We're going to sing and I'll be here to front. And I'm inviting you to come and pray. You you may have a, a healthy family. None of none of our families are perfect. You may have a healthy family, but you, you still have needs. Come and pray for your family. There may be some husbands and wives or parents and kids, some grandparents with some who come and kneel here and pray together. That's good. That's beautiful. And you know what you need to pray about. As I stand here, if you need to join First Baptist, come and we'd love to welcome you into our family of faith. If you need to be baptized, come and tell me that. Or if you want to give your life to Jesus and become a disciple of his, a follower of his, Come and tell me that. Let's sing together. You come right now.